Слава Богу. Ви такі були живі couple weeks ago when you were in that uh, wedding hall. Jittery, you know the word jittery? Restless. Um, what I'm going to add today, you're a little more tired, but that's okay. Um, what I'm going to ask you, because I have noticed, uh, I've been coming, uh, I, would, I don't want to say quite a few times, but I've been at a few camps, and I've been uh, with you a couple of times, and I have noticed some of you, uh, you leave quite frequently, you know, and, um, and it's a habit. Uh, what I'm going to ask you, I'm going to have about 40 minutes, about 40 minutes or less. Um, I'd like you not to leave unless it's an emergency. Uh, and I don't want to, to tell you the rules again in my first grade classroom about using the restroom when it's emergency time because it's a little funny. Uh, but first graders are excited about it. But uh, so stay here because I know that it's um, unless you, you know, sometimes people have medical condition. That is okay. But I think if you look deep in your heart, you really don't have to go. You just go for the sake of going. Maybe you want to take a minute of fame. I don't know. Whatever, whatever is in your heart, please remain here. Immerse yourself into the word of God. Why? Because today it's going to be the pinnacle, the pinnacle of chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. You still remember we're going to talk about Romans chapter 9? Pinnacle. Everybody knows the word pinnacle? English speakers? The peak. Culmination. The most important point. I will very briefly uh, go through the first, uh, the first sections of chapter 9 Romans that we talked about uh, two weeks ago and a week before that. So... One more time, I want to reiterate and mention and say it over and over and over. We don't know everything. We have partial knowledge. Our knowledge is incomplete. There are certain things that, are sh that, that we are sure about those things, 100%. And a lot of the things we are not sure, so we assume. And some of the things I will say today... That would be what we believe, or some of us believe. And even, even pastors in the same church might even have different vision or point of view on a certain uh, definition of a certain phrase that we'll talk about today. And I'll be very general. I'll try to not to be very difficult, but I, but I hope you follow, you follow me tonight. So we talked about God being independent and sovereign. Sovereign means and that he makes his decisions as he pleases. Uh, and we, we, have talked to, we have talked about dividing chapter 9 into 11 sections. And we covered section about Paul's sorrow and, and its source. It's when he was saying that I'm ready to give up my salvation. I'm, I'm ready to become anathema, anathema for God, for Christ, if it means that my brethren, Hebrews, the Jews, will accept the Messiah. And the second, uh, the second, uh, the second section was the children of promise. And remember, we talked about Abraham's children. 
And do you remember how many children Abraham had, right? Eight. That's better than two, right? We talked about Ishmael and, and who was the second one? Isaac. And we talked about those sons being both legitimate sons. However, however, only one was the son of promise. Both of them were the son of flesh. And Ishmael can be considered only the son of flesh. But only Isaac was the son of promise because God has chosen so. And then we, we looked at the example of Esau and Jacob. That God has chosen Jacob before he was born. Not because of his works or his character. Like I told you last time, I personally would have never chosen Jacob. He had by far more problems than, than Esau, in my opinion. And a lot of people believe the same way. But God has chosen Jacob. And he's, of course, and his choice was sovereign, independent, and right. And he chooses as he pleases. Now, we also talked about the fact that when he is doing that, does that make God unrighteous? Of course not. And we're going to talk about, and that's probably all we'll talk about tonight. We'll talk about Pharaoh, the Pharaoh. That's just two verses that I would like to talk about today. Uh, who can help me with reading those? Uh, maybe someone close, I can give you the mic. I'd like someone to read Romans 9, 17, verse 17 and 18. Any volunteers? For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Thank you. Hopefully you followed. Some of you told me earlier that you follow on your phone. Well, great, as long as you follow. It'll also be nice to, um, you'll understand things better if you hear them, if you see them, and if you read them. And when you go home, you review them. Um, so this passage, these two verses, they raise questions about selection, about foreknowledge, and about predestination. Now, if you raise your hand if you have heard these words and you kind of understand definition some of you okay about a third of you okay so if if we read the book of exodus closely and i will read some of those events uh partially a little later we find out as you have heard our sister read that god has hardened the heart of pharaoh to show his power, to make himself known to other nations, glorify himself, and cause all of the plagues in Egypt. And it also, we can in, look at this passage and we can interpret that that is why Pharaoh became Pharaoh. That was, that was the purpose that God has raised him. Now, some people who read the Bible not because they love God, but they want to contradict what is written in the Bible. They may say, well, how did this happen? Did actually 
did God actually make Pharaoh do all of those things? It says he has hardened his heart. Now, this is a very hard part of the scripture to understand. And I will try to explain it to you. And if you will be with me, I'll ask you later if you follow me here. So, we cannot say that God actively, listen very closely. We cannot say that God actively hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Because that would mean that we, he would be in charge of, of, of Pharaoh's will. And he would cause those sinful actions. We cannot say that because we cannot reconcile that with the other parts of the scripture. We can say though that God had, had passively hardened his heart. And you will understand this because when I was reading this, listening to other, speak, other preachers preach about it and doing some research, I could not understand this. How would God, God harden someone's heart on purpose? God is holy. He does not have anything to do with sin or evil. Now, how many of you heard about common grace? What is common grace? Anybody? Common grace. Well, there's grace for believers and there's common grace. Common grace means what Isaiah says. That rain falls on righteous and on unrighteous. God gives grace to everybody. Doesn't mean if doesn't matter if they believe or not. If you think of Arab countries like Saudi Arabia or Kuwait, for example, those are some of the richest people in the world. Now, do they know God? Do they accept Messiah, Jesus Christ? No. But the the principles of common grace work for every person on the face of the earth. You are, everybody is under common grace. God gives you life, gives them life, gives you work. They have work, they have health, you have health. Whatever everybody has, it's because of God's common grace. And what happens when someone is evil? This is my determination. And you can agree with me or you don't have to agree with me. But it will. I think if you... Look at this from this point of view. You will understand it better. Common grace was also on, on Pharaoh. However, he had sin and evil in his heart. And when God has removed that common grace, basically God simply turned him over to his sin and evil that was already in his heart. And his heart became hardened. Do you understand it this way? You follow me? We cannot say that God, because we have, to, we have to connect the will of a person. Here I am, I'm a pharaoh, and I'm just basically like a, like a robot or anything. So God just tells me, oh, do this, don't agree, do that. No, we have free will. And the only way we can understand this scripture, if we look at it, the fact that God has removed common grace from him and basically turned him over to his sin 
and his evil that was already in his heart and that is the same principle that works nowadays when we talk about reprobates and that's going to be your homework to research what does the word reprobate mean you can look online you can look on your phone that's exactly what it is when God removes common grace from a person and that's what Roman Romans read in chapter 1 God has perverted their minds they have chosen they have chosen to become homosexuals and this and that you read about it because not because uh, God caused it no he has removed common grace from them and they have fallen to their sin and evil and became reprobates rejected remember God is sovereign and he makes his choices and selections as he chooses but I want before I continue I want to say what you already heard today God son Jesus Christ has died for everyone it's universal atonement. It is for everyone. It is available to everyone. Will everyone accept it? No. People and someone said, I really loved, uh, I really loved, uh, uh, I've listened to one show and there were questions from the audience. Well, if God chooses one and rejects the other, well, how do I know whom to testify? Well, I know the person, I see the person in the bus or by the bus station or in the plane sitting by me. Are they chosen or not? Do I testify to them or not? Some people go to those extreme points of view. I'm not sure. Of course you are not sure and that is not your business. Now your business is to preach to everyone good news to preach to everyone and someone said once there will be no one in hell who does not want who did not want to be there or does not did not deserve to be there it was their choice God did not make them become rep rejected or reprobates on purpose that was their choice he knew before the foundations of the world that that would be their choice that's for knowledge but he made salvation available through Jesus Christ to everyone and that's what Paul's talk, uh, Paul talks about in the first verses of chapter 9 Romans he says they have rejected him because they thought oh we're Jews we're the sons of flesh we cannot be reprobates we cannot be rejected look we're Jews we're Israeli people and he says you are not you cannot be a believer a chosen accepted adopted by God just because you are born as a Jew as a Hebrew person there's a lot more to that so um, so all of these these are all all of these questions are good and some sometimes people ask a question well how do I know that I'm saved well, how do I know that I am chosen? That's a good question. Well, let me give you a very simple answer. Jesus said, what did he say? If you believe, can somebody say it louder? You will be saved. 
Do you believe? I'm going to ask everyone here. Do you believe? I don't hear very affirmative answer. But if you believe, of course, a lot more things come with that. Remember, we talked about justification. We talked about, we heard today, sanctification throughout our lives. And then when we enter the kingdom of heaven, that would be glorification. So, if you believe in God, you have accepted his prize, price he has paid on the cross. You also have Holy Spirit. Apostle Paul talks about, I'm not sure how, what English word is being used there, but in Ukrainian it says deposit. You know what deposit is, right? You want to buy a house. So you write a check, say $10,000, and that's a deposit. That's assurance that you are the buyer. And it assures you that that's going to be a house, and it assures the seller that you will not back out of the deal so that's a deposit and apostle paul talks to i don't remember uh, in which epistle he says we have the holy spirit as a deposit we know we will be saved we know we were predestined we we, we know that there are the heavenly places for us because we have this deposit holy spirit in us this assurance that we are saved Amen? Or maybe you're attentive. It's probably the second one. Am I right? Well, you sound like my dear, dear children. I love them and I love you too. Um, if you're not walking back and forth. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit uh, from... Uh, Exodus, so you understand this even more better. It's, it's Exodus chapter 5 from the first verse. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold at least to me a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God. Lest he fall upon us with pestilence and, or with the sword. Pestilence is a, is a um, disease. Uh, like blisters and stuff like that uh plague or you can say in modern la language like bubonic uh plague that would be pestilence uh i forgot how to say i actually forgot how to say that in ukrainian it's funny because i'm usually a lot better than ukrainian uh anyway so then the king of egypt said to them moses and aaron do you take the people from their work Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now and you make them rest from the labor. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. 
let them go and gather straw for themselves and you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before you shall not reduce it for they are idle some other translations say they're lazy therefore they cry out saying let us go and sacrifice to our god let more work be laid on men that they may labor in it and let them not regard false words the words of Moses and Aaron now you can see here he was already evil he was he already had that sin in his heart what happened here God has removed common grace from Pharaoh and therefore hardened passively hardened his heart and now we see that Pharaoh is not becoming better he's becoming worse he is on the loose. He is making life even more difficult. He says, who is the Lord? I don't know him. Why should I do this? Why should I let you guys go? I don't know him. And we see that with every day, he, he becomes worse and worse and worse. This is, what, this, what hap, this is what happens to the person from whom common grace is removed. They cannot help it. With every day, they go down and down and more down. There is no God's grace. So this is exactly what happened to Pharaoh. And if you read in Exodus chapter 7, it says, So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. And Aaron, Aaron your brother, shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you. And Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of egypt but pharaoh will not heed you so that i may lay my hand on egypt and bring my armies and my people the children of israel out of the land of egypt by great judgments and the egyptians shall know that i am the lord when i stretch out my hand on egypt and bring out the children of israel from among them now then Moses, they were old guys. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded them, so they did. And Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. So they were old people. Sometimes it's a good example. We have a lot of elderly people, especially in our church, and they would say, oh, I don't speak English, I don't do this, I'm old, I'm frail. But look at that, Two great leaders 80 83 year old full of the power of the of this of the holy spirit full of wisdom of god and i think we can be that in any age but uh what we see here god is hardening his heart even more but remember in a passive way because pharaoh has his own free will and god wanted to do his judgment on Egypt for all of the things that they have caused to Israeli people. Now let's talk a little more about foreknowledge and predestination. Now it was clearly explained by apostles. But over the centuries people have argued about it and uh, discussed it a lot. And they disputed over that. And we are actually gonna touch base a little bit on those definitions tonight but I want to say it one more time 
Jesus Christ has died for all and has made salvation available to everyone. Amen? Amen. We don't believe any other ways. Uh, perhaps you have heard two statements or two doctrines about predestination and election and foreknowledge. And they were from two persons. One was John Calvin, which and the word Calvinism uh, follow, followed his teachings and doctrines uh, since his times. And that has been like 16th century or so. And Arminianism. It was, there was a guy who actually lived in approximately the same times as John Calvin. And uh, his name was Jac Jacobus Arminius. And he also had his doctrine or teaching on predestination and foreknowledge. Now, Jacobus Arminius was only four. Uh, was only four when, when John Cal Calvin died. So they were not really... Uh, connecting with one another and one was fr uh, French and the other one was Dutch and in, in addition to these doctrines I'm not sure if you have heard about the Westminster Confessions of Confessions of Faith that's a Church of England about the same time and this is this famous place Westminster Abbey that is still uh, present in London uh, you can actually go and visit so they, those guys came up with contradictions to Calvin. And they have written down uh, whatever he said. There was a contradiction and they have uh, backed it up by the Bible. Well, everybody was using the Bible. Jacobus, Arminius, John Calvin and everybody else and the priests from the Church of England. So let's look at some of those things. But before we do that... Let's look, what does the word predestination mean? If you look at the Greek, Greek word, it is prooriso, prooriso, which means to predetermine, decide beforehand or ahead of time. And in, 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 in New Testament, it's of God decreeing from eternity. Also, it means to foreordain, appoint beforehand. Predestination is biblical teaching that God's predestined certain events and people to accomplish what he so desires. It's a biblical teaching. We see the word predestined uh, quite a few times. And I have found that the word uh, proriso occurs, occurs six times in, in the New Testament alone. There's one in the book of Isaiah, but it's not in Greek, of course. But it means predestination. But Acts 4.28 says, do whatever your hand and purpose predestined to occur. Romans 8.29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become uh, conformed to the, to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8.30, and whom he predestined, these also called, and whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, he, these he also glorified. And we talked about it today. 1 Corinthians 2, 7. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God's, 
which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Ephesians 1.5 He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, of his choice, of his purpose. And Ephesians 1.11 Also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. So all of these six uh, places in the New Testament or, or scripture in the, scriptures in the New Testament are, are interconnected. We see here that God is, is, whatever happens in the world, it wasn't a surprise to him. Even when Lucifer, uh, the day star, uh, some some translations say day star. Some some says say bright star. It's like three different stars. <laughs> he was a star. For God, it wasn't a surprise that he decided to rebel. God knew about it. For God, it wasn't God wasn't taken by surprise when the third of the angels have fallen, and that is why we see lots of places in the Bible Bible that says chosen angels because there are some that decided to rebel and therefore they're reprobate angels you could say that they are rejected angels because they have chosen that but God knew about it that is the meaning of the word for knowledge for him there is nothing that is he's not taken by surprise with any of the events that happen in the world he does not necessarily intervene every second every minute but he knew those things would happen but whatever is i read here it almost every verse ends up but it was all according to his will according to his purpose that was what he wanted to do and that what that was what he planned and that was what he chose now if you look at the word election and we talked about, we talked about uh, Jacob, we talked about Esau, that's a good example of election. It comes from the Greek word eklektos and occurs about 25 times in the New Testament. And it signifies to pick out, to choose, to pick or choose out for oneself or choosing one of many. The one who does the choosing, the the electing is God alone. Now, let's read some of these, maybe three. I'll read just three verses about, uh, that has the word eclectos uh, in them in the New Testament. John 13, 18. I do not speak of all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, says Jesus. But it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Now this is a good verse that has uh, an example of people who are predestined, chosen by God. They also chose him by their free will. And also an example of Judas, who appeared to be chosen as well. But he decided on his own will 
to become a rejected one or a reprobate. Ephesians 1.4, he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. It doesn't talk about just like Jacob and Esau before they were born. Before the foundations of the world. There was no earth. There was no solar system. There was no planets. But he knew that you would come to him. And he knew you would be sitting here tonight and you will be learning from the Bible and you will have this joy in your heart that you are a saved child of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And it's, it's great God's, God's mercy that we are here tonight. There's lots of people in this world whose life has ended today. We heard about what happened in Nevada this morning, and I'm digressing a little bit, but this morning is I woke up and I was just took a shower, I was ready to leave, and I have this text message. Uh, the school is closed, it's in lockout. I'm like, what's the deal? There's nobody in school. And that was late start, and kids come like at 10 o'clock. We have late start on Monday. Well, guess what? In that, uh, across the street in an apartment complex, there was a boyfriend who was holding uh, a mother of two. And their children are the students in our school. And he was threatening to kill her. And so they basically uh, secured the perimeter and evacuated people. And so they've closed the school for the whole day today. And we've learned through email from our principal that the lady was killed. Young mother of two, because some person was left out of common grace of God. And if that happens to you, there's nothing you can do to turn back to God or become better. And it's, yeah, it's going to be horrible, especially tomorrow when we come back and we, uh, we know that uh, uh, some of our children have lost their mother just because of uh, someone else's poor choices. And so, however, we're still under the grace of God. We're alive. We have health. As uh, Michael said today, that you're beautiful and handsome. Uh, so that's great. But not everybody has this opportunity to even live. We want to live abundantly. But uh, a lot of people didn't even have that opportunity to continue their life as of this morning. Uh, going back to 1 Timothy uh, 5.21, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels, that's what I talked about, to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. So as we see here, there are angels that are chosen as well, just like human beings. Uh, let's look at Armenianism uh, really fast. There were five focal points that Jacobus Armenians relied upon, and that's what he preached. Uh, free will. God knew we will choose him, and therefore he chose us. Uh, number two, conditional election, which we don't agree to. He believed that God chose only those people for, for salvation who knew he knew will respond to his calling. Uh, we learned about it that it, he didn't choose uh, 
us because of who we are. He chose us of who he is. Universal atonement. Christ died for all. We agree to that. Resistible grace. You can reject God's calling for salvation. And also, he believed and preached in perseverance of some saints. In other words, uh, uh, you can lose your salvation if you, your life does not match the expectations of God. And uh, let's look at Calvinism really fast. He also had five focal points. Total depravity. Only God chooses us. Depravity means you're done for. You're in total sin. As, uh, you're so horrible. You can't make any decisions. You're rotting in your sin and evil. And everybody is in this same boat. So that was his belief. Uh, number two, unconditional election. God does not base his election upon anything he sees in an individual. And third one is limited atonement. Jesus died only for selected ones, which we don't believe in that. We talked about it many times that he died for everybody. However, only those who believe and accept him will enter the kingdom of God. Uh, and also he believed in irresistible grace. You cannot not respond to God and reject his calling if you were selected. In other words, if he knew that you would become a believer, the time comes, and you automatically will accept Jesus because there's no way not to do that because you cannot resist the calling of God. Uh, and also perseverance of all saints. In other words, you cannot lose your salvation. Now, I just wanted you to, um, to listen to these. We're not supporting neither of those as a whole doctrine we cannot because each of those have uh have a lot of uh have statements that we cannot reconcile with who god is and with the rest of the scripture uh certain things we can agree of course now look, let's look uh, very closely uh, at some of these things um So the question is, can we choose? Do we have a free will to choose God? Uh, how about if I, is that a, do you guys mind if I will ask some of you answer to, is it okay? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, how about Paul? Uh, they say you're the greatest theologian sitting here. Do we have the free will to choose God? Like if we are, we don't believe and then we hear the gospel or something like that. In which context do you mean? <laughs> yeah, in other words, uh, uh, does God only choose us or we also choose him? Do we have a free will to choose him? I think that it would only make sense that we would have that free will to choose him. All right, amen. Everybody agrees to that? And we have talked about Pharaoh, right? So that, that even though his heart was hardened, but he still willingly, willfully made those choices. Number two. So is it conditional or unconditional? We have. So is it, does, he, does God choose us on certain conditions or, uh, or there's no conditions as far as we are concerned? And I think uh, our great uh, theologian Vitaly will answer that one.
So, referring to Arminianism? Well, uh, what is, what, what we're actually referring to, uh, what do you think? Uh, we, we have talked about both Calvinism and Arminianism. So, so is it conditional or unconditional? Uh, once God choose, is choosing us, is it conditional or unconditional? Yes. And uh, it would take another two hours to explain myself in that in that sense, because the response to sway either Arminianism or Calvinism, like you like you stated, we don't pick one or the other, but biblically we see that support both sides. It's just the danger in going radical to one or the other. That's where we have to be careful. Well, thank you. Uh, well, anyway, but we actually still believe that uh, uh, God is choosing, uh, choosing us not because what, uh, he sees something special in us or he thinks we're better than others. So he thinks that we have a great character or we're like this beautiful lady or this handsome man. So uh, not because of those things, not because of the works, not because of the looks, not because of the character, uh, because of him who chooses for his pur- purpose. So it is, uh, yeah, but you're right. We can uh, sway both ways. But uh, we have agreed to, uh, uh, we have agreed to uh, not go into great details. Well, with that, I will actually stop. And we will continue next time. Uh, and uh, we'll probably start with, uh, with, um, was three, yes. And maybe we'll do a little bit of review. And may God bless you all. Was this helpful tonight? Are you going to go home and research the word reprobates? And also, if you guys have questions or need clarity in anything, Anatoly will be here. And you just had to sort of throw a rock in my garden, but I still love you. Sometimes I have to leave. I'm sorry, I have five children and other responsibilities. It's not an excuse. It's just a, an explanation of the excuse. Uh, so are we... Uh, okay, so let's stand up and, and pray.